0: All right, so we are uh, beginning the 15th letter, very important letter. The letter is the reply letter. All right. so if just, let's give a brief, uh, for a few minutes, just kind of a brief recap on the first 14 letters, and then we'll kind of give a context to the 15th. So the first letter was a letter by this uh, by the so-called Benjamin, right? This fictional character that I first created called Benjamin, who was like the kind of prototype of the young German... You know, young adult living in those days, challenging Yiddishkeit, having questions of Yiddishkeit. And uh, he writes a letter to his friend Naftali. Naftali is the rabbi, of is the Naftali. Right? Naftali Ayala Shlucha. Um, so, uh, and he's writing him, and he says, Oh, we met on a train, and um, we had questions. Let me write down my questions. And the questions that he asked, challenges to Yiddishkeit, were very much what were on the minds of of the German youth in those days, right? And we did the, and we, and the kind of the, the arguments, we didn't mention that, you know, maybe in 2022, we have a little bit of a different, uh, the challenges that we face are a little bit different. But uh, as I promised, uh, when we get to the response, I think we'll be able to, to use of Hirsch in our, own, uh, in our own time as well. But uh, the challenges were that Yiddishkeit is a drag. I mean, that's like, in my, you know, to put it simply, you know, look around at the world, Right, we're living at a time We're talking about the 19th century Germany That was like the height of culture and science And, and world affairs and, and like, you know, architecture And, and, and philosophy and art And, and you, know, you know, all the different sciences Are now coming And we're about to the enlightenment, right? And Yiddishkeit is What was Yiddishkeit? Look at Jews Jews are sitting there in the shtetl Sitting there, fetching over a, a gemara So cut off from life Not accomplishing anything Cut off from the rest of society you not enjoying life you know, and so it's not bringing happiness and human flourishing. That was it says, and this is all the terrorist's fault. The is busy with with naris kaitan in his words, right? It's Just like little minutiae about like you know, uh, you know and all the if You're like, come on, what's going on over here? Like, you know, this is this is this is not life. This is not happiness. This is not progress. This is not human flourishing. Um, you know, that, that that was his complaint. That was his letter. To put it shortly okay so Rav Hirsch says okay let's start from the beginning and that's what he does for the next 13 letters getting into in brief because again this is obviously a, an introduction to much later works um, he says what is Yiddish Kai? what is the purpose of life? Hashem created people Hashem created a universe a universe of interrelated things of people contributing giving taking we have Mishpat we have Aaron Hashem gave human beings free will to, to do his and to be like Hashem to choose to exercise justice, to exercise love, right, to, uh, and, and to do so, uh, you know, with free will, to choose to serve Hashem, which is the ultimate goal. So everything in the world is a means to an end. Everything in the world is meant to use, to do the Ratzon Hashem with it. He shows how the mitzvahs can be broken up into these categories, right, how the mitzvahs are divided up there's, the, there's the kind of the, the mitzvahs of the ideas of Yiddishkeit right the Avaida of coming connecting and, and rejuvenating but then the crux of the mitzvahs are the mitzvahs of justice how to relate to people how to relate to other things in the world how to relate to yourself those are all because that's the law of Hashem and that's how Hashem wants us to live in this world that was kind of the, uh, the, the story until now and now he's going to take these ideas and he's going to and he's going to pen a reply it's a very very long letter uh, it might be, even be the longest letter. I don't think the 18th is as, is as long. Um, and in this letter, he's going to take, basically, the idea is that we just, oh, maybe the 18th is longer, and, and, and kind of show how it answered up his questions. His questions, you know, in true fashion, you know, it, it does, it's not an answer. It just, it's just like Lumbus, right? It shows how the question never was really a question, right? It's not an answer. It's, uh, it's showing that your understanding of Yiddishkeit was wrong, right? And we're learning now by Nice that there's this great, <laughs> great book called... Um, I think the Forty Eight Ways of Wisdom, or Past Wisdom, from Noach Weinberg's Mem right? And he's talking about you know, the idea of, of definitions. You know, like people come to people come. Weinberg, this I read this in his biography also. They came to him and they said, you know, I don't believe in uh, you know, uh, right? Uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't believe in in, in Okay, right? So uh, so he says uh, so. Noach tells him, says, Are you a Karfufnik? So the guy says, What? He says, Are you a Karfufnik? Answer me. He's like, I don't know what that is. So I said, just answer. Are you a kafufnik? So he says, how can I answer? I don't know what it is. He says, like, you don't know what Ganeidin is. You don't know what Yiddishkeit is. And he's saying what you believe. You know what I mean? Like if you don't, uh, our definitions could be so, so, uh, you know, screwed, It's like, you know, you can't, until you know something and understand it, then like sort of Hurst wrote in the third letter. First, read the Yiddish Kai, Know what it is, and then if you want to reject it, we'll talk about it. You know, but like you got to know what it is. You're not you're not a you're not a kaifer, right? I think we said that story over. You're not a kaifer, You're an Amma right? That's a uh, okay. So here's a verse. So you've taken as your motto the verse quoted in my previous letter, right? This is comes from Tehillim. Oh, that thy servant too might be eliminated by them if he keeps them. How great the path of life, right? Gam avdcha nizhar b'hem b'shamram right? This is uh was that in other words that. That we should be eliminated by the Torah, and how great your life will be. So, in other words, apparently, in the interim, right, The fictional, uh, the fictional Binyamin is kind of telling of Hirsch, "You you you got me. I agree with you. I, I I'm dedicating my life to Torah, right? You have vowed not to rest until you have attained this inner elimination, and not to establish a home before you have drawn from the Torah the spiritual riches." that added to your material possession will enable you to make use of the latter in accordance with God's will and to build a home in the spirit of the Torah dedicated to the ideal of man and his life. All right, long sentence. In other words, Hirsch is actually throwing in something here very important, right? He's dealing here with the German youth, right? And uh, we'll see at the end of the letter, Yaman's going to get married and Hirsch is going to wish him success, right? And this is just kind of a, a side point, which is how important it is to you know, before you get married, to kind of have these things worked out, right? Once the person gets married, uh, you know, now you have someone else's uh, someone else's opinions that matter. It becomes very difficult, right? So you decided, you know, before I get married, let me first uh, figure out what's uh, what, what I'm doing with my life. Let me first figure out what is this Yiddish kite, right? And uh, so before and don't, you're not going to establish home until you have drawn from the tire the spiritual riches. That added to your material riches will enable you to make use of the latter and right? you'll be able to make use of your of your uh, physical riches. Right? This is uh, right. First, go to yeshiva, and then if you want to go to college, that's the next step. Right? In other words, first you have to make sure that the most important thing is taken care of. First, you have to make sure that your spiritual uh, possession is taken care of. Right? These resolves of yours prove to me that my letters were not written in vain. Right? So this scribe says, Baruch Hashem, my letters accomplished um, accomplished a great deal. Now he writes, by all means, come to see me as you intend to, and I shall elaborate and prove to you in person all these things which you have now become acquainted in the form of sketchy outlines. In other words, the first is saying, "Look, this is just outlines; these are just the introductions." Right? Later on, the first he promises to write svarim, one of which he writes, one of which he doesn't, but. You know, but Rav Hirsch is like, come to my house. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. So it's very interesting. Rav Hirsch is, you know, it's this is, I guess, poetic poetic license. He's kind of writing and he's trying to maintain this, like, you know, illusion that it's a conversation. But it actually is very interesting, and and the points this out. But it's it's an obvious thing to point out is that this was a very genuine offer, right? Rav Hirsch, when this originally was published, he didn't publish his name. No one knew who it was. Um, then it was reprinted many times, and, and he put his name as the as the Rav in Oldenburg. And who reads this? One of the people that read it and was greatly inspired by it was um, Heinrich Graz, right? So Graz is the famous historian, right? He is, um, he is, he's considered like, you know, the kind of the founder of conservative Judaism in, in Germany, kind of the idea of the science of Yiddishkeit, right? It's like using scientific methods and analyzing the Torah. It's a complicated sugya, Berlin versus Frankfurt, so it was, you know, okay, it's so a sugya not for now. If you want to read more about it, uh, you can read the biography of Ribikiel Yaakov Weinberg, uh, Mark Shapiro's biography. Yeah, anyways, the point is so Gratz is a young boy, he, a young teenager, he reads this and he's inspired. He writes a letter to Rav Hirsch, Can I come live by you? And he says yes, and he lives by Refersh for two years. And they learn together, and Gratz writes about Rav Hirsch's schedule, getting up early in the morning and what they learned and what they studied. You know, ultimately, you know, he still has his doubts and at the end he kind of you know, goes his own separate way. Um, but again, this is like a genuine offer of Hirsch, you know, he's happy easily he's, he's, he, and, and again you see first of all Something that the German Jews cop right away, which uh, you know the European the, the other European Jews and Americans didn't realize until a lot later Which is you have to get the young people right? That's what it is If Hirsch is he comes to Frankfurt the first thing he does is open up a, a, a school Right you got to open up schools. You got to train the young people. That's how you do it You know the old people it's already too late and even if you achieve if you manage to change an old person Okay, that's it. You, you, you know, kind of goes with him. You got to get the young you got to get the kids Okay, but do not expect me to be an infallible master. Well, it's tremendous humility, right? Don't think, no one has all the answers, right? I shall honestly show you where I myself are still in doubt and groping in the dark and shall encourage you to continue studying by yourself. Right? In other words, Torah, you have to accept the basic premises of a Torah. But then, you know, it's a life, it's a life journey of trying to understand, right? And again, there's so much Torah, there's so much perspective and deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, Rav to when he talks about the Muneira, he talks about how, like, it's, 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 uh, it's gold right, at the bottom, and then it kind of develops, right? The Muneira is kind of like a tree developing into multiple branches, right? He's like, Tyra, you know, the gold, the truth, the pure truth of Tyra is true, and it's the most simple, and it's, it's the same truth, right? If you say... You know, Hashem is here Hashem is here Hashem is truly everywhere right that's like as true as the depth of Shar HaYichud right in the right? in other words a simple truth right you expand on it and you have to keep on growing and, and, and you know more and more and, and deeper understandings and perspectives but ultimately the simple truth the idea the truth of the Torah I think is clear and is absolute and now continue it's a lifelong of trying to work on it and there are challenges there are questions if Schwab talks about you know we have this idea of being Meister Nefesh he says you have to also be Meister mind, right? Sometimes are things you don't understand, right? Not everything fits into a tight little n- back. Sometimes, you know, a few hundred years later, you'll figure it out, you know, like uh, or the world will figure it out. But, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't take away. This is part of the idea of trust. This is that idea of bitachin in the Torah. Even things that we don't understand, right? Even things that we, are, right? we, we, we hold on to them because they are the Torah. Ask for your initial letter. You write that you now spare me the trouble of refuting it since you have already answered your own questions. In other words, I had all my questions. Based on the last 13 letters, I, hel- I know the answers, right? So to refresh again, this is a poetic license. I am happy that you have done so, but as I have already prepared a draft of my answer, I'm sending it to you merely to compare it with your own thoughts. Accordingly, do not expect more uh, than fragments of ideas. Right? In other words... Really, you know, in other words, rehearse the space that he's saying, and this is an important thing in general, right? You know, we tend to try to spoon-feed you know, spoon things to people, right? It's like, you know, you have like, you know, Hashkafa, somebody used to tell me this about El Yisveh, like, like his, when you get like a schmooze, you don't spoon-feed, right? Spoon-feeding, it doesn't, you know, you want, if a person's not going to use his own brain to analyze these ideas and think about it, it's not going to be worth that much, right? You want a person to, right? So here, you have your questions, here's my shtickle Torah, now go ahead and analyze it, read it, and, and you know again I'm going to give you the Russian program so you could compare it. We want to make sure we're on the same page, but ultimately it requires work, and that's just a, that's a, that's a general thing in, in life. You know, you you're not the, nothing nothing has an impact, and nothing will actually change your behavior, right? I always say this, I, we spoke this a few weeks ago, that, you know, if, if Yiddish Kai today is judged by the number of shmuzim, right, and inspiration and books of living Amuna that, uh, that there are exist, Mashiach would be here, right, this is like the great, we have you know, one little app on your phone and like Torah anytime, there's tens of thousands, millions of hours, maybe millions, millions and millions of hours of inspiration, of Torah, right, and yet there's like a disconnect, right, because information itself is not enough, you have, to, you have to take it to heart, you have to, Learn it and think it through. Just hearing nice inspiration doesn't make a change. It has to actually get absorbed into your mind. Okay. It is but natural that you find Judaism, okay, now here's the answer, ready? It's natural that you find Judaism to be in contradiction with your idea of the purpose of human existence. So Judaism does not accept your conception of man's purpose, right? So you thought that the purpose of life is happiness, of accomplishment, right? But that's not the purpose. Indeed, strenuously opposes the pleasure-seeking and the worship of material possessions that it entails, Right, this idea that the that the successful life is to be rich and you know accomplishing—that's not what life is. True, some of the higher minded among the nations try to endow these lowly aspirations with the spiritual content. Right, even today, people—you know—it it sounds grub to say that the purpose of life is uh, is money and power, even though that's all most people are about. So they try to pretend they're into tikkun olam and, alam and the, you know all the all the things that they all their charitable causes, but they do not relinquish them entirely. Ultimately. It's about the pleasure. It's about the big fat mansions and, private, and yachts and private planes. And then if they could throw some money towards you know, whatever uh, cause that they want just to make themselves feel good, you know, no one wants to say that their purpose of their life is, is money and power and pleasure. But ultimately, that's what the world is telling you. right? And so by that standard, okay, Yiddishkeit, you have a problem with it. right? Well, Yiddishkeit is not, not going to allow me to be as rich as I want to be. Right? These ideas are the result of seeing the world as if it were not governed by Hashem and the viewing God as being without a world to serve His purpose. Right? Judaism knows differently. It has knowledge of a higher purpose for the world and sees all other ideas, even the loftiest, merely as the means for its attainment. Any other idea, there are some wonderful ideas in psychology and philosophy and science and physics and math and whatever it is. All those things are means to an end. They are not the ends. They are not the purpose. And you can go through your entire life very distracted. You can be very distracted by a lot of these ideas, right? All the isms, right? But when it comes down to it, when, when, when life begins to slow down and you realize what was this all about, right? This was not, is this something to build a life on? Right? And so we simply reject the premise. The idea that the purpose of life is pleasure and money and power is, is absolutely false. Right? And, and this is again, you know, if we can apply nowadays, and we'll get to it more soon. If we apply nowadays, you know, let's let's be honest, let's be mature. We live in a in a time and, and, a, and a town, right, where uh, pursuit of, of money and pleasure is, is very, very high on people's lists, right, whether they're a kid who admitted or not, right, and it's, it's, it's natural to feel jealous, it's natural to feel a little depressed, look at this little guy who in high school couldn't read, is sitting there, you know, making millions of dollars, right, it's like, okay, right, and, 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 you know, and it's, it's a problem, it's a, it's a problem, but you know, what's the answer? The answer is that, that the purpose of life is not money, right? It's what you do with it, right? It's what you do with what you have, is what it's all about, right? You could have a trillion dollars, you can have five dollars, right? if you do what you're supposed to do, what are you going to do with the money that you were given? Right? Just like you don't get to choose the time. Right? If you lived in a, at, a, at a time, a very bad time in history, what's your job right here? Right? In this terrible times, this is what I have to do. Well, in this current financial, this is what I have to do. Right? What did you do with what Hashem gave you? With the blessings that Hashem gave you, what did you do with it? That is the measure of a person. That is a measure of greatness. That is a measure of, of, of success. Right? And anything less is a, it's a facade. It's a mirage. Right? as for the misfortunes of the Jewish nation right again he said the Jews are, are cursed condemned they're persecuted right you'll have to realize by now that these were caused by Israel's aberrations as a nation so first of all right he spoke about the idea of Golis we were sending to Golis because we failed to live up to our ideal Hashem gave us a country with all the resources necessary to be Kalal Yisrael and we failed so Hashem had to send us out even though these failings never caused it to sink below the other nations, right? Like, we're definitely not worse than the than, than, than non Jews, right? For it was committed no sin of which other nations were not also guilty. But it was part of the design for Yisrael's destiny that its aberrations had to lead to the immediate shattering of its national glory, right? God punished him, and Yisrael, only such sin that we had all committed, right? The Jews are no worse. But that is what Klai Yisrael is. Klai right? Yisrael is meant to be the lesson for the other nations, right? That look what happened to the Jews, and that tells you, make sure not to go down the same road. Indeed, Yisrael's loss of his outward glory will appear to you now as being part and parcel of its destiny to which God's providence was to be manifested. Very, very important over here. Right? Very, very important. Right? In other words, so part of the, since the goal of Klay Yisrael is to be that model for the nations, the, right, the, the, the Am Segula, so then, right, how can Hashem allow Clayisol to be successful, to have its own country and its own power when it's not doing the Ratan Hashem? That would be a stir to what the whole purpose was. Right? If, uh, right, if, if this is supposed to be the model and the model fails, well then uh, we've got a problem. There has to be immediate consequences. Klay Yisrael has to suffer consequences for its Averis more than other nations because its whole purpose was to serve as the model. Moreover, and here's the fascinating Yisrael's mission was not hindered by its exile Nor was its greatness diminished For it became evident that greatness has different meanings And Yisrael's state of dispersion Opened a new and unique field for the fulfillment of his mission We mentioned this earlier when we talked about Gullus I want to say it again right? The idea that Klay in and Gullus lost his mission right? You think, what's the, the purpose of Klay is To show the world what it means to serve Hashem right? So now we, we don't have our own nation How are we going to do it? Well, first of all, now we're scattered, and we can also, in some ways, we can do our mission even better, right? We're out there, we're now, every country has Jews, every place around the world knows Jews, Jews are living and doing business with all places, and if we can now demonstrate the truth of the Torah in these situations, right, that's amazing, right? And if first says, and if first writes this, and almost like reluctantly, like a little bit, you know, a little bit afraid, you know, what the reaction would be, but like, the idea that even frya Yidin, even Yidin that uh, left the strict halacha of the Torah, have an impact in improving the world? I always say many times, right, liberalism and a lot of these kinds of things have tremendous positive, right, have, 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 have tremendous positive points, right? Again, yeah, we don't take, you know, the, the, the excesses too far, and the, right? But the fact that so many of these, of these movements are run by Jews, which is, you know, I think like the, uh, right, the, the liberal Jews, right, the Supreme Court and all these things, it's, it's a, you know, it goes, goes too far. But the impulse of, 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 of bringing kindness, Right? And, and, and humanity and charity into the world is, is, is the Jewish contribution, right? And we do so, you know, even the Ramam writes, and the writes, this Christianity and Islam are tremendous improvements for the world. They're monotheistic religions and they do have, you know, there the, the are redeeming qualities there. Right? again, that's the influence of the Jews so a jinn in can accomplish his, uh, his task just as well And fakad, by being in Golas and surviving and thriving in these places we're demonstrating a new kind of greatness that you don't need to have a country, you don't need to have wealth you don't need to have power in order to be successful in order to be great you need to have his, his, his morality, you have to have the Torah right? concerning the Torah you wrote that it interferes with all the joys of life and denies every pleasure But go through it. Study his teachings. Which natural enjoyment does it seek to eradicate? Which natural drive does it want to eliminate? Right there's no real pleasure that the terror eliminates. Is there one natural enjoyment that it does not ennoble? One inner inborn joy that it does not hollow by directing its its wise use for the purpose created for its creator? Right again, right. We 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 reject the idea of of uh, of, of the of, of the Catholic priest right of being a celibate right? of not getting married of abstaining from wine from meat. There's not Jewish those are not Jewish concepts right right and uh, and every single pleasure is directed to use it correctly in the correct way. Right, but it's not, we never deny pleasure justice is the essence of the law therefore the enjoyment of pleasure and the gratification of one's impulses must never be at odds ends in themselves but always have to be subordinated to higher rules and to be delimited by God's wisdom what is justice? putting things in its proper place enjoy this pleasure but under these specific circumstances right, in accordance with the purpose set by his, set by his wisdom Hashem who created man and he says this is the way that I want you to use these pleasures as means to a higher end, subordinate to the law, and dedicated to its purpose. These drives are holy and truly human, a way of fulfilling human destiny. Right? Again, this is, this is Rav Hirsch. This is Rav Hirsch's philosophy, the idea of enjoying life. There's a quote they say from Rav Hirsch, I never saw it, I don't know the McCarf for it. You know, when the, he says that when he comes to his they're going to ask him, you know, how come you never saw my, my Swiss Alps? Right? My Shavai. He has a i I did find a, a line, maybe in one of the, the collected volumes, maybe the newer volume, 9, Seems to say something similar. I never heard it. I never saw it quoted. You know, in the way that it said. You, know, you see my Schweitz? Okay, but the idea that 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 any any normal and natural drive in a person is given an outlet, is given a way to actually express it through the Ratzon Hashem. The law opposes only worship of possessions and pleasures, which makes them our goal in life. That's not the purpose. Money and pleasure are not the goal in life. Not only does it permit us to strive for them as means. Right and within the divinely imposed limits, but it considers this as a duty, just like all other duties in the fulfillment of our human missions, and it considers arbitrary purposes, absence from them, a sin. Very important here also, Rav Hirsch, right? So Rav Hirsch talks about, you know, there are limitations to human pleasure, right? So we place a limit on human pleasure, you can't, Zakhar, uh, Zacher, ish, the Arayas, certain foods you can't eat, certain things you can't do, right? There are limits to what you can enjoy in life, however, within those limits, right, just to arbitrarily say, I'm not going to do it, that's also wrong. Right, our verse says, right, our first kosting married right? We had it in the, the Daf a few days ago, that if a person a nausea is a Chayte, if you like ta'inus, you're a chite. Right? Why? Because uh, why what are you what are you uh, abstaining from the pleasures of this world? Again, to focus on pleasure as the ends, as the purpose of life is pleasure, well that's obviously that's that's a perversion. But the idea that you should be living your life, right, within the limits, embrace life. This is where our says the two parts of brismila, right? There's the mila, which is which is the actual cutting of the atara, which is placing a limit, right, symbolically on pleasure. That's what you're doing. You're actually removing and then there's Priya, which is me magala the atara. You're supposed to peel back and expose the atara. In other words, within the limits that we just set, right, go ahead and live life. Right. I used to say what I say then, I don't know, but people people get mad when I say it. They're like, you know, that that, that 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 the lady, you know, you know, who's dressing everyone loves to talk about the women that are dressing so not and very provocatively, blah 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 you know, that's bad, but then also walking around dressed like a schlock, is, is, it's bad the other direction, right? It's also bad, right? <laughs> In other words, within, not supposed to, it's right? There's, there's this us a arias, but also a sirus, right? Sirus is asr, castration, right? Celibacy, a person, there's a mitzvah positively to get married, share right? There's a, the mitzvah of aina, of enjoying life and Shabbos and celebrating and eating. These things are our ideals, right? They're not, uh, they're not things which are negatives, Again, this is consistent with the verses of Ashkafa. It's that the purpose of life is to serve Hashem, to choose out of free will to serve Hashem. And we do so with, and, and everything in this world was given, a, was given as, a, as a means to those ends. Again, we'll get into science, we'll get into all the things soon, right? But that's the purpose. So it's not, it's not these are not contradictions. We don't look at everything in the world as, as like an a now, we don't look at it like as a test, but as an opportunity, as an opportunity to use these things to serve Hashem. To, to serve Hashem through the drive of of, of, of of reproduction, right? What do we do? Well we use that to serve Hashem by reproducing, by building a family, by by by, by you know by working with another person, by connecting to a wife, right, to to, to controlling your own impulses, which is again a value, right? the purpose, pleasure is not the purpose and building a life where, the, where pleasure is the purpose will ultimately lead a person to misery right, a pleasure driven life will not make a person happy, you want to know who's actually happy that's what you're saying, right, it's God created you God created a person and he says, these are the limitations within which you should live and these are the limits within which you should grow and thrive and that ultimately will lead to happiness because God created you, God knows you, God knows the human body. And again, it's obvious, it's obvious we live in a world of, <laughs> a world of, of miserable people, of all sorts of, of, of mental issues, right? And again, it's because if you're not living your life the way the, way the manufacturer, you did not follow the instructions, right? God created us, he's the manufacturer, he gave us instructions how this machine should work and what's going to make it thrive, and if, if you don't follow it, then uh, you're not, you're not going to thrive. So Yiddishkeit, instead of taking away pleasure and right, making a person... Right, and that's the uh, Uri Zohar, right? Uh, he, he writes about that. He says, that that's why the Freya can't deal with the Fruma. Like, that's because, you know, the good Fruma, they're enjoying life, right? They're taking life, they're enjoying it. It's like, you know, if you're a Christian, it's like you're, you're risking a lot, right? It's like you're giving up a whole lot, and, uh, and if it turns out that you're right, you're, right, you know, you're then, you're then you know, within the limits placed by Hashem, there's so much to enjoy, so much to enjoy. Right? And, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what Chava tells the nacher, right? The Nachar says, You're not going to eat from all the fruits of the tree. Right? You're not going to eat from anything. Right? You can't eat from anything. He says, no. we well, You can eat from all the fruits. But the said ask we can't eat from, right? We can, we can enjoy life, we can go to nice restaurants, we can go to, right, we can do nice things. Our first actually recommends opening up kosher restaurants, he says, just to show you that uh, that doesn't make you happy. Right? Just take your kids, because back then there wasn't a lot of kosher places to eat. And so, we, you know, the people were so alert, oh, I wish I could be a guy so I can, Right? Go, go to Ikor, go to all the fancy restaurants, spend your $300 on your piece of chicken, and then tell me, come home that next one, look in the toilet, and see if that's what, this is what, this is what happiness is, see if that's what uh, is bringing you happiness in life, and if this is something to build your life on. We don't realize, we take for granted, that, you know, we have spilt entirely, even if, even if you think that we're so into pleasure and thing, which we are, it's, you know, we could do better, but like, ultimately, we have a life of Yiddish, okay? most of us are davening a few times a day, most of us are Shabbos and Yom and so built into our lives even realizing are so many limitations, which can allow us to, you know, we have a larger capacity to, to, to we can, you know, we can, we can do certain, engage in certain behaviors without it having terrible consequences on our, on our mental health. But again, it's something which we, which we definitely, uh, something which, which, needs to be worked on. Again, what is the purpose? That's the question. Are you seeking pleasure as the end to itself, or is it the means to an ends of doing the Ratzon Hashem? I will right, we'll continue the next uh, few weeks on this oh, yeah.